how how has the season been because i have been following you since uh, the second division that time when you won bangalore and based out of bangalore as well yeah so no it's been good um it's obviously a little bit different to normal um with the the covid-19 it's going to be difficult for everybody you know players and you know staff um you know very a lot of restrictions for everyone um but you know it's just good that we're we're getting to play at all and train um there's a bit of doubt that the season might not happen but i feel um you know from my point of view the team's done well you know we've we've you know changed quite a lot of players this year we've probably brought in you know a lot more new players than what we normally do um so it took us maybe one or two games to to get going we obviously won the IFA shield which is a great achievement you know the first real national uh trophy that the club's won which has been good um you know we you know the first game against Trow we got off to probably the worst start in the world lost a goal in 9 seconds so uh so it wasn't the best of starts to the season uh, but we came back and drew the game we beat Chennai and then um you know obviously against Sudeva we you know, we, we I think we did well enough to to win a game, but the problem was they scored a goal from you know wonder goal from outside the box. Apart from that, they didn't have many chances. Um, and then obviously we played against Gokulam, a good team, and we had a couple of great chances to win the the game. Didn't take them, so I draw. You know, we're up there with the pack, which is good. So you being a defender is that the reason why Real Madrid over the years have been so good defensively? Yeah, well I think um, every team that I've played for and coached, we've always got to make sure that defensively we're a hard team to beat. Or to get beat, um, and you know, I, I think as I say that, that the top coaches that I've played with always focus on defending first and make sure that you know. I, I think if you can, if you don't concede goals, you're always going to get chances to score. Um, like a, I think the first season we had with the underdogs and we had the best defensive record, most clean sheets, conceded the least amount of goals, um, and you know teams do find it hard playing against us, which is you know it's the way we like it, um, although. You know, this season we are creating a number, a lot more chances um, to score goals. We just got to make sure we take them. But it's just been a, a real, what would I say? It's, you know, it's been a real journey. Um, and you know, our style of play sometimes we get criticised a little bit, you know, for how we play. But you know, so far it's it's been effective. Absolutely, I don't know why people criticise our style of play because at the end of the day, you play with what you have and how you want to win. And I think every team, including Ayrshire, would hate to play against the Real Madrid. Absolutely hate to play. Well, it is. I mean, I know um, last pre-season, um, you know, there were some issues in Kashmir that we couldn't go um, back there. So we played about six or seven ISL teams and we lost one game, won one game and drew five games. So um, we beat Kerala Blasters, won nothing. Um, and then we, you know, we, we, I think we drew three each with Jamshedpur. We drew two each, I think, with FC Goa. So, you know, we can score goals against the best and we can defend against the best. So, you know, I think our team, we've got the attitude that we, we don't fear anyone. Um, you know, I think as long as we um, are difficult to, 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 to score on, then we've always got a chance um, in games. Can I uh, ask this? What, what do you assess the quality of the I-League this year? Because you've been there for three years now. How do you assess the quality this year? Is it more? Is it less? Because some of the teams look absolutely all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been hard because, you know, the lack of preparation has been very difficult. Um, we're restricted to training as well. You know, we get one training session a day for, for 90 minutes. You know, you can't go, you know, any longer than that. So it's very difficult. You know, even team meetings can be difficult because of the, the bubble that we're in. So I think every club's doing the best they can. You know, some some clubs were maybe later than in signing players. And obviously the, the foreign 
quotas being reduced. It was up to six foreign players. Now it's four plus, well, four including a, an Asian um, foreign player. So um, I think I think it's just been the situation that we're in. But you can see teams are gelling. But the league is the same as what it always is. You know, on any given day, you know, any team can beat any team or, or draw with any team. I mean, you look at it now, you know, there's no team. I think Churchill's top of the league at the moment and they've they've drawn two games out of five games. So it's you know, it's it's it, this league's all about picking up points and for some reason it's always been like that. Um you know, there's a lot of inconsistency with with teams um within the league. I mean you look at it last season, you know, before the, the COVID struck and, and the league got cancelled, anyone from second to I think tenth could have got relegated and um or finish second in the league, so it's just a, it's a, it's a, a real close league. But I think it's just the team that can just keep picking up points is it's got the best chance. So in your uh, let's talk about the time from Real Kashmir. When I first saw you second division, uh, you came to won the finals in Bangalore, and then afterwards you went on to you know play at the uh, high league level. So how was that jump? And is there a dream to jump to the ISL as well? Because you are another type of favourite actor. Yeah, no, I think um, I think you know when I first came to India, I didn't know anything about Indian football. Um, you know, so when we we embarked on our I League Two season, um, we you know you, you go and pick players. I had tryouts in Kolkata. Obviously, you talk to some agents, and and a lot of the times it's a bit of a shot in the dark, and we had quite a low budget and. You know, somehow it all worked, it all gelled. You know, I, I would be, if I'm being honest, we probably had about 12 players that really could have made a difference. And we were fortunate that we didn't have any injuries um, or very little injuries that we managed to keep the same squad. And then, you know, when you go to the I-League, um, you know, again, it's, it's a step up for everyone. And we weren't sure what the level was. We weren't sure, you know, we can, you know, obviously we, we signed a number of foreign players. Obviously, Mason came over. Um, and again, you know, you're going through word of mouth, you're watching a lot of videos, um, and, and it's not until you play the first game. On paper, you might think, oh, this team's got a, a good chance. You know, our first aim was to stay in the league because you know how difficult it is to get in the league. And, um, you know, we obviously won the, the first game against Minerva, which, you know, was a huge bonus considering they were the champions the year before. Um, we beat them one nothing away from home. So it was a real... Um, you know, great start to the season. Um, and, and my main focus at that point was to make sure that we were a hard team to get scored on, a hard team to break down. Because, you know, being a new team, if you were to suffer a heavy defeat early on, the confidence, you know, it'd be very difficult to come back. And, you know, I, you know, the first game we won, um, won nothing um, against Minerva, as I said. Then we played Churchill, we drew nothing each, and then we lost two home games to, um, I think it was uh, Mohan Bagan and Naroka. Um, and you know the atmosphere around the place was the sky was falling, you know the coaches getting sacked and you know everything's you know and, and I think people forget what happened the, the season before. Um, you know I think people have got a, you know short memories at times. So um, I, I knew that the way we were playing and the players we had had a good chance and I think we went on a after that we went on a 12 game unbeaten run and you know obviously with a game against Pun, uh, Minerva Punjab that never took place and and then because of weather and the situation we had to play. Our, you know, basically the most important game against East Bengal, we had to play them in New Delhi at Nehru Stadium. So, you know, there's a lot of things against us, but, you know, we finished third. Um, and, you know, obviously last season we wanted to kick on a little bit. You know, we brought in some different players. Um, but 
you know, I think every every year in the I League, particularly the first year, you you've got no you think you might you might you think you've got a team that's got a chance or a, a chance to go and compete, but until it starts, you don't really know. It's a little bit like this season. You know, we've changed a number of players, um, and you know, I think we've got a squad you know good enough to you know be up there come the end of the season, but um, you just don't know how it's all going to work out, how it's all going to gel. And plus, you don't know what the other teams are, are going to be. You know, you look at Sedevas came with no um, foreign players and we played against him. Very tough team. And, you know, I think they drew with Punjab. Um, so, as I say, it's, you know, teams will make it difficult for you. Um, I think, you know, player for player, we've probably got one of the best squads in the league. But, you know, it's OK saying that. You know, sometimes it's the, it's the team spirit that, you know, wins you championships, wins you games, as opposed to the, the level of player you've got. So you signed uh, Amiri, who's been around for a long time this season, and Dipanda also. So in the first start, I didn't think of him as a real Kashmir player. So is this an evolution uh, from your squad? Yeah, it is. Well, obviously we want to try and add certain things. You know, I think one thing we missed over the years is, is you know, in any league we've played in, is a natural goal scorer. You know, and Dipanda's been the top goal scorer, I think, three out of the last four years in the I-League. Um, you know, Amiri's obviously an experienced player. He's versatile. He can play in a number of positions. And I felt that was important with the, the new foreign rule. You know, the, the restrictions. Obviously, he, he comes as a, an Asian foreign player as well, which helps. Um, and I think he fits into our style of play. But, you know, we obviously brought Ravanan back. Um, we've got Dupanda and obviously Amiri. And we've got Pratesh from, um, you know, he's been around the leagues and go. I played in the ISL. And I think the one thing that we lacked was a bit of experience in the team. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's what we've, I think we we missed a goal scorer, we missed a bit of experience um, in the team. So I think, you know, the, the players who signed have certainly improved that. I think, I think last season, um, you know, when we were in winning positions, we or even positions when we were drawing the game, you know, sometimes we'd lose the odd goal and lose the game or we'd maybe get clawed back on a, on a you know, we're winning, we're, you know, ahead in a game and we might lose a goal and draw the game. And we brought in Robin Singh and Senaralti that gave us a little bit more experience. And it was amazing how, you know, from winning positions, we managed to hold on or, you know, we didn't concede anything. And, and we're hoping that, you know, it's the same this year. You know, and I think it, the experience certainly helped in the first game when we lost our goal in nine seconds. Um, you know, I, I think back to our first season, if that had happened to us in our first season, you know, I think we might not have been in, in the in the I League. We might have been back in the second division if that happened in the first one. So, real Kashmir, when you first came in, now I'm not going to touch all the political stuff, I don't want yeah. to know because you've spoken enough. Uh, for you, when you came in, first time they approached you, you were in uh, the US and things, you'd never heard of, you know, the club like this. So, what was it about the project that interested you? That too, at that time, probably second or third division of the hierarchy. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think... Um... You know, I'd been in America for 10 years. I'd been, you know, there for a while. And I just wanted a change. I wanted to get back in the professional scene. Um, and I was approached by an agent. Um, and, and I really jumped at the chance. I didn't do any research on, obviously, I'd never been to India before. I'd never been to Kashmir. Um, I had no um, idea of what I was letting myself in for. So, you know, I decided I would give it a go. My wife wasn't too happy. She was, you know, a bit pissed off, to be fair. She was... Um, you know, having a nice lifestyle in um, in the USA and, you know, our crazy husband decides to, I'm going to go to India. So I jump on a flight, I think it was New Year's New Year's Day or New Year's Eve in 2017. 
Um, you know, in a, in a land, and you know, I think every place in India is hot. Um, but obviously, when you arrive, and I actually had the the longest journey ever. I started from Phoenix, and I think it was a five-hour flight to I think it was either Philadelphia, and then a twelve-hour flight to Doha with an eight-hour layover. Then I I took a, it was a five-hour flight to Delhi, had about a twelve-hour layover, then that hour flight to Srinagar. So I actually left on a Friday, arrived on a Monday, and um, you know, as you could you could imagine how tired I was. So you know, and then when you hit Srinagar Airport. You know, from you know, coming from the USA and, and the UK, it was a real culture shock. Just you know, arriving in the airport and you know, suddenly get the airport and it's cold. Um, that was certainly wasn't what I was um, expecting. And then obviously we get the, you know, I arrived there. I was very tired, and you know, within two days there was snow. We couldn't train. Um, you know, there was no dressing rooms at the the stadium. There was no um, the players didn't have proper training kit. They just wore whatever they were wearing. So it was a bit of a culture shock, you know, coming from the USA and the UK with all the facilities are there and, you know, all the infrastructure is there. I, I, it was a real tough part at the start. Um, and to be honest with you, within days I wanted to go home. Um, and, you know, the Shamim at the time persuaded me to, to stay for a few weeks. And, and we actually played, I think I coached two games in I-League 2. Um, believe it or not, one was against Sudeva and the other one was against, um, who was it? I think think it was it might have been Hindustan I'm not too sure um but it was just it was Delhi United actually so it was just a, a real culture shock you know um I'm always open to opportunities and um you know, something a little bit different <clears throat> but this was certainly different it was well outside my comfort zone um and obviously when you're in Kashmir you know at that time of the year there's power cuts you know there's no electricity for a couple hours you know two or three times a day um obviously internet's patchy so not only was in a strange place, a strange culture. Um, I was just, I, I could, you couldn't even communicate with my angry wife back in the USA. So that made it even worse. So, you know, probably about four or five weeks later, I was on the flight back to the USA. And but, you know, I always knew that I would come back. It was, I think, uh, I had to go home to. I, I, I don't know. I just felt I had to get home to see obviously my family and, um, you know, but I knew deep down that I was going to come back and to be fair I was persuaded to come back and um, I took the I actually took the team to Scotland and you know that probably a few months later we organised to take the team to Scotland play three or four games there and you know the team learned pretty quickly and it was a great experience for everyone and and, you know I think after that I just had an affection for the club and the people Um, and, and to be fair I was made to feel welcome I was made to feel you know special so um it was just that it was good and, and then you know when we do the um the i league two for the, the obviously the first the ball when we won the league you know just setting it all up and, and just the joy and um, particularly when we came back to swinningger airport with the championship um you know, there was a lot of people there and it put a lot of smiles on faces so it's been a it's been a, a i mean it hasn't been easy to be honest you know i mean i think back to the i league two where you know, we we would go on a trip to, and we're playing in Delhi, um, and I got no idea of the geography of India. So we're in Delhi, and our next game's Pune City. So um, you know, I get told that it's a it's a 12-hour train journey. I was okay, that's fine. It turns out to end up it was 30 hours, um, a train journey, and you know, it, and you think lying down for 30 hours, you know, it can't be that bad, but you know, you're shaking about and. 
you know, I think the players got off the, the train as if they'd been hit by a bus. They were um, all jolted. And But do you know what the one thing about the players, even now, you know, when things go wrong or um, they're up against things, they don't complain, they just got on with it. You know, it's just a dedication. I think it's something that the coaches have instilled into the team, into the group that, you know, whatever's thrown at us, we'll just overcome it. You know, we've got a lot of hurdles, you know, and then we're talking about the, the final round in Bangalore. We set off from Pune to go to Bangalore and um, I think it was by bus and it took 24 hours to get there. So again, it was a, you know, not the greatest preparation, but again, no one complained, everyone got on with it. And I think that really helped us, you know, because a lot of the games we were up against it, we drew a lot of games. One game against Hindustan, we're three nothing up in Srinagar and somehow we managed to hang on for three each. So, um, you know, as I say, it's just been an adventure. Um, in Pune as well, we arrived the day early and um, we'd know where to train. So we asked the hotel where we could train. So the guy, the hotel manager, took us in his car, found this little patch of grass. So the next day, OK, we're going to train, but we couldn't get any buses. So um, we all went in, a veg- in the back of vegetable trucks um, to train um, in Pune. Um, but again, the players didn't, you know, the players were coming off with carrots out their ears and, you know, potatoes in their head and all sorts. And they just got on with it. They didn't complain. And I think that it's almost like our team's got a real sort of working mentality. You know, there's no superstars. Everybody gets their rolls up their sleeves. And even to this day, you know, since I've been here, um, it's it's just how the team is. We don't, there's no superstars. Um, everybody helps each other. And to be fair, I think this season, the the, the team spirit—it's the best it's ever been, you know—and and it's hard because you're you're cooped up together on a corridor, you know. It'll be what three, four months by the time the season's finished, and um, there's been no issues touch wood so far. Um, and and again, I think it's down to how we prepare the team, and you know, we're a very—you know—I look at a lot of teams in India, and the coaches are very strict and stern, and and we laugh with the players and relax them, and because I think if they're relaxed. You know, on the pitch, they won't be scared to make mistakes. And, you know, and, and we all know that players are going to mistakes. I played at a pretty high level and I made mistakes. And, you know, your David Beckham's, your, all the best players in the world make mistakes. So, you know, obviously the level we're at, we're going to make more mistakes. And it's important that they feel relaxed. And um, and I, I just think that we've created a, a very, very good environment for players to come and play. So one thing that uh, you take from this is, like, people talk about, you know, the Indian football, including ISL, having this much money and, Christine Grass and everything. The run below. I always think I League is the hardest league to win because of the travel and you have to go to all the northeast places, come to Calicut, go to Srinagar, you know, up north. Yeah, it's just crazy. The travel, temperature, the extra, like, you know, the physical toll that it takes. There is mostly no direct flights also into some of these places as well. So would you not agree that uh, this is quite hard uh, league to win? Yes, I think this season it's a little bit easier because the travel's not there. I know from where we are, you know, um, I remember one game we played Gokulam at, at, in Srinagar and it was minus, I don't know what it was, minus something degrees. And I know Gokulam got snowed in, they couldn't get out. And they one or two players end up in hospital with hypothermia or some kind of illness. Um, and, you know, obviously we've got the altitude as well. So after that game, you know, we end up, once we got on a flight, you're now going to play in Kerala, which is boiling hot. So you go from one extreme to the other. And plus, what a lot of people don't realise is that every time that 
to the Al Kashmir playing away game, apart from playing in Punjab, we um, we've got to get a flight to Delhi, and then more often than not, we've got to take, you know, come off the plane, get all our baggage, all the kit, everything, go on a bus, go to a hotel, and then leave early the next morning to get a flight to Imphal or Kerala or wherever we're going. So, um, our there's very few times that we can travel in one day based on times of flights. So, you know, what we find is, is that it takes us two days to get anywhere. So it's two days, basically, you're not going to train. Um, and then suddenly you maybe get one day's training or two, um, and it's in a different climate, you know. And, and obviously we play on AstroTurf. All the, you know, majority of other clubs play on grass. So, um, as you say, it's a very, very difficult time, you know, place or league to be in. You know, I think, you know, like Iswell is probably the hardest place to go in. Um, I mean, the, the journey itself is is horrendous enough. Um, you know, the, from getting from the airport to, um, you know, the, the city centre where where the games are, and um, and then obviously the pitch itself. It's a big astroturf pitch, and I know the times we've been there, it's been boiling hot, and with the astroturf, it makes it even warmer. So, you know, I think um, whoever wins the I League, you know, in, in a normal season, um, really really deserves it because you're up against everything. You know, you. From one minute you go to play in, um, I remember the first year you go and play at Salt Lake Stadium, you know the world-class stadium, and then you go and play against Shillong um, on a an acid turf pitch, it's basically like a hockey pitch. Um, so you go from one extreme to another. But again, I think the character of the player that we've got, you know, we don't complain, we just go on with it, and I think that's very, very important. But you know, I, I definitely agree that. You know, when you watch ISL, sometimes, you know, every stadium looks the same. Every pitch is pristine, as you say. Um, so it's it's very, you know, it, it's totally different. You know, I mean, I think some of the ISL players would find it difficult playing in the I-League. Absolutely. So I, I just wanted to ask about this also. In, in terms of how do you uh, convince players to come on a regular season to Kashmir? Because I spoke to uh, Robin Singh. And Farooq Chaudhary was previously played with Lone Star, and they both had amazing experiences playing in Kashmir. Yeah, I mean, I I did think with you know Kashmir, um, it might be difficult to, you know, attract players to Kashmir. Um, <clears throat> but I think you know there's a few things that help us. I think everyone knows it's a well-run club and it's a well-supported club. Um, you know, Callum Higginbottom came from Scotland last year, and he couldn't believe the support that we had at home. Um, at TRC, said so it was an incredible experience. Um, but I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of things going on in Kashmir, and I, I did think it might be difficult to attract players. But you know, we get agents coming, um, and and a lot of players, it's the first choice. It's where they want to come is to play for the Al Kashmir, and and I think a lot of it's to do with obviously the fans, how the clubs run, um, and obviously at the moment anyway, we're probably the most consistent club within staff, you know, coaches and people behind the scenes that, you know, the owner doesn't chop and change all the time, you know, at, at the moment, you know, it's it's not a case of, you know, two, I know it's one club here's, you know, I think they played one game and they've changed the coach um, and you hear all sorts of stories about, you know, coaches lasting two games and three games and, and I think it's important for clubs to have a bit of consistency with a coach Um and I've been fortunate that, you know, Real Kashmir has done that for me. But I think it's helped the players, it's helped the area. But I know at some point that will come to an end. Um, and then, you know, whoever comes in after me, I'd imagine they'll get the same support, you know, three, four years or whatever. Um, because I don't think it's fair to, 
you know, move coaches out after a few games or, or even a season because more often than not, um, from what I believe, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate I select all the players. I know some clubs in India, you know, they've got sporting directors that, you know, they pick the players and then suddenly they, they hire a coach that's, um, you know, got a style of play that here's the time, make it work with a group of players. So I think bit by bit, you know, we've evolved and, you know, we've, you know, obviously we've got a style of play that can change as well. And, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, I'm the one that brings all the players in. I do the negotiations and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think it that's really has helped us as a club. Okay. So now I just wanted to talk a little bit about you because I was doing some research on you personally. And you were part of that uh, time in Scotland where uh, you had the European champions, I think, when you were growing up. Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen, you were a, a youth player at the time, I think? Yeah, no, it was good. I, 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 Alex Ferguson actually signed me when I was 13 or 14 years old as a, in a schoolboy form for Aberdeen. That's my hometown team. And, you know, it was always a dream and my, you know, desire to go and play for my local team. And, um, you know, Alec Ferguson's, you know, dedication and attention to detail was incredible. Um, he, would, he knew every youth player's name in, in Aberdeen in the city of Aberdeen. He'd go and watch youth games. He'd watch any game. Um, and then, you know, he, obviously he was the one that, it doesn't happen these days, but he's the one that signs the players at 13, 14 years old, you know, you know, for future Aberdeen players. Um, and as I said, I was very, very fortunate that um, I was, was part of his, his plans. And again, you know, being supporting Aberdeen, I was, I was, I think it was a schoolboy form when Aberdeen won the Cup Winners' Cup. They beat Real Madrid and they beat Bar- uh, Bayern Munich. You know, it's it seems like it, with Alec Ferguson at Aberdeen, it was a it was going to happen all the time. Um, but now, you know, I think when you look back, you think it's a, it's an amazing achievement a club like Aberdeen could go and win, you know, go and beat Real Madrid, um, you know, two one in the in the European Cup Winners' Cup, um, they beat Hamburg in the in the Super Cup. It's amazing to be a part of it. Uh, well, not to be a part of it, but I was, I was a ball boy at the time, believe it or not. So I was behind the goals when they were playing in those games. Um, and then, you know, I was fortunate enough that at 17 years old, Alec Ferguson gave me my first game for Aberdeen. Um, but he was very hard. He was, you know, he, I think the one thing, and I think it's come into my playing career and coaching career, is that he never knew what defeat was. Um, you know, there was one game we played um, Celtic, um, I was in the youth team. I was only 15 at the time. It was under-18s. We played against um, Celtic under-18s at Petodi, which is Aberdeen Stadium. And the first team had won the league, you know, a few days earlier. Um, and it was the last game of the season. But they wanted to present the trophy at the home stadium. And it just so happened we were playing in the Scottish Cup final, big game. Um, and there was about 15,000, 20,000 at the game to watch the game. So bear in mind, some of us are 14, 15. And um, Alec Ferguson had an assistant called Willie Garner, and he took the team. And he said, look, you know, the first team's here, the gaffer's here, and there's a big crowd here. Go out here and enjoy it, and don't let yourselves down, and, and what have you. So I think at halftime, we came in, we were two or three nothing down at halftime. And, and Willie Garner says, uh, you know, damage limitation, look, just you know, no more goals, be out nice and sensible the, the second half. And at that point, the door flew open, and um, in come Alec Ferguson, and... He went around the whole player from the goalkeeper all the way around the subs, didn't miss anyone. Basically, you know, slaughtered us all, told him what he thought, told him it wasn't good enough. Um, and it seemed like it was 60 seconds it took, and it seemed like it was about five minutes. 
And bearing in mind, I think I was 14 or 15 at the time, everybody was gobsmacked thinking, what just happened here? You know? Uh, and the amazing thing was we went out and we won 5-3. Um, and we won the Scottish Cup, um, which was an amazing achievement. And it wouldn't, if it wasn't for Alec Ferguson, that wouldn't have happened. Um, and then you look at him now, or when he was coach managing, you know, you, you look at the time when they won the, the Champions League um, in the last, they were a goal down in, in injury time. And not only they came back to draw, they came back to win the game. And they go on about Fergie time. But I just think it's his belief and his desire and motivation that that's been the secret to success. And, and I was fortunate that, you know, during my career, I played, you know, a number of games for him. Um, I remember one time we played against Clyde Bank. We won 5 nothing, And I made one mistake the whole game and he crucified me for it. Um, most coaches, if you win five nothing, everyone's great, everyone's good, but he was just such a perfectionist. Um, and you know, even if if we didn't play well in one, he'd let you know about it. But but to be fair, um, any time he gave you any stick or a hard time on the Monday morning, he would always take you in his office and explain to you what he meant. Um, and again, if there's good performances, he would you know praise you as well. So there's no there's no surprise that he went on to to do what he did. And then you moved on to Rangers. Yeah. So, at nine titles in a row, you're part of uh, six of them, the, the far end of the, you know, the Scotian, six of them. Now, Celtic equaled it, and this year it looks like Rangers is going to, you know, uh, beat them again. How big an achievement was that to be part of that team? Because I was looking at some names. So, uh, uh, Ali McCoy is in there, uh, Paul Jasko in a team yeah. at that time. Yeah. So like Ali McLe- Alex McLeish also. So that was a great team. And we in India don't really know much about it. Yeah, no, I was fortunate that um I moved from I don't a lot of people know in India, but I moved from Aberdeen to Rangers and leaving Aberdeen going to Rangers is like going to the enemy, it's like going to the devil. Um, you know, there's such a fierce rivalry and um, I actually got death threats when I signed for Rangers through the mail. Um so it was a very, very difficult time for my, my family, my brother, and, you know, my, my sister and my mum and dad. It was very, very difficult for them because um, they were still living in Aberdeen at the time. And Scotland's a small place. Um, you know, the population of Scotland's five million people. Um, and, you know, Aberdeen is a city. I think it's about 300,000 people. You know, Glasgow's probably about a million. So it's, it's a bit of a goldfish bowl. So anywhere you go in Glasgow, people know who you are. And not only have you got Aberdeen supporters not liking you, you know, you've got the rivalry between Celtic um, and sometimes in Glasgow, you've got to be careful where you go, being a Rangers player. Um, so, you know, sometimes you've got to be, become a bit of a recluse when you're you're playing for the Rangers or Celtic. Um, but the team itself, you know, I was very fortunate that um, I walked into quite a, you know, a very sort of vociferous um, squad. Um, a lot of personalities. You mentioned Ali McCoist and Paul Gascoigne. They were like, you know, jokers. Um and I think the, the atmosphere, again, I think for a number of the championships, the first three that I won, I think we were a good team, but we were a good team off the field. And we got on well with each other. Maybe not the best team on the field, but it was the togetherness that that um, made us successful. And then we brought in the Paul Gascoigne's, the Brian Loudrops. You know, Paul Gascoigne was you know, a, a top-class international at England, played at Lazio, played at Spurs. Um you know, almost got to World Cup final with England. So fortunate to play with him and Brian Loudrup, who we signed him from AC Milan. So we had big, big name players. And I was just very fortunate that, you know, coming from where I did with the background I had to, 
to rub shoulders with those those guys and um you know and it's probably one of the most successful eras of the you know Rangers history um and you know I think I'm glad it looks like Celtic won't win the 10th one because um if they were to win the 10th one the nine that we achieved means nothing anymore so um yeah. you know, hopefully that you know, Rangers finish the job. Looks like they're going to win the league. Um, you know, they've came back from the dead almost. So if that happens, my um, my status as a nine-year-old legend or player still remains for at least another ten years anyway. You spoke a little bit about the rivalry. If this old firm game is probably the Celtic Rangers one, is probably one of the most uh, uh, crazily contested game. Right? There's a story I read somewhere that. Uh, you broke your friend uh, Miller, Joe Miller's uh, ribs or something like tackling. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we um, we I we were at Aberdeen together, the schoolboys. Well, he lived in Glasgow, um, but we were both signed schoolboy forms by Alec Ferguson, and we both played in the first team together with Alec Ferguson, and I, I he was my roommate. So we go on away games, and I was always Joe's roommate. Obviously, we'd you know, meet up outside, you know, go and play snooker and, and do all those kind of things. And then he signed for Celtic. And then I signed for Rangers. So we played in a, a Scottish Cup Scottish Cup semi-final. So Archie Knox was the assistant manager. And, and in those days, an old firm game, you could basically do anything you wanted in the first five, ten minutes. You could just, you know, put a marker down. You could just kick the shit out of somebody and put in a really hard tackle over the top. Um, and, and I think because... You know, it's when you play in those games, the noise is so with supporters, it's so loud that you can't hear anyone. You can't hear your teammates talking to you. It's so loud, and it's not just for five minutes; it's for ninety minutes. So you're almost on your own. Um, but the last words I had was, "Make sure you sort out Joe Miller." So I I went for a he knocked the ball past me, and I just followed through, and um, I think I broke his ribs, and I was sent off, got a red card after six minutes in the game so we were playing with 10 men and obviously when you get sent off you've got to go into the dressing room and you know because the stadium is so but well, so big and it's the, the atmosphere is so loud all I could hear was the stamping on the roof um, of the dressing room and then I heard a noise it was a goal and I thought oh no Celtic because I you presumed that Celtic would score and then you know our kit man comes in and just to tell me the score that Ali McCoy scored were one nothing up and then the second half, I got taken up to the, the stand area the, into the stadium and I was basically held by security guys. Um, I don't know what they thought I was going to do. But anyway, we Rangers survived. And, and like I said to you, the team spirit um, got us through it. You know, because Celtic were hitting the post, hitting the bar. Players were throwing themselves in front of the goal to save the ball. And uh, fortunately, we won the game one nothing, And, um, you know... You'll be happy to know that I've spoken to Joe Miller since, so um, everything's fine with him. Um, but it's just, I think it's just the, the passion of the game. Um, and particularly, you're playing against a, a friend. You don't want your friend to get the better of you. And maybe, yeah, maybe on that night, I went a little bit, um, a bit over the score, should you say. So, I just wanted to ask this. Do you, uh, at that time, football at that time, was a lot more rougher. Uh, players were a lot more rough around the edges than... All this uh, sports science had not come in. We used to, after the game, we used to go to the bath and things like that. Yeah. The culture was so different, right? Do you, are you happy that you played at the time when it was like this and not uh, how it is now? Yeah, but I think um, I, I think I enjoyed it. Um, you know, 
the, our captain Richard Goff had a, a saying: the team that drinks together wins together. Um, <laughs> and we had a fair share of nights out, and, and it wasn't even nights out. Sometimes it was days out. You'd go out for a day, and um, you know, at the end of the season, Walter Smith would take us away to places like Monte Carlo, and you know, and, and you just you know have a party kind of thing. So um, I think I think that was the motto back then that you know after games you'd maybe go into the sort the the the, sort of the players lounge and have a few beers and uh, go for meals and stuff and um it was a real fun time um i think you know i, th- I think when i put up what i hear from some of the bigger clubs now is that that identity's gone a little bit it's a little bit you know i'm not saying what we did was right um but there's there, there might there should be a bit of a balance you know i hear now that a lot of the clubs with different foreign players, could different nationalities coming in in England and Scotland, is that you know there's a group of Italians at one corner, there's a group somewhere else, um, and the togetherness isn't quite as much, you know. So I think that would come onto the field as well. Whereas us, you know, we were, you know, I remember one time at Rangers, we had in space of two weeks, we had the probably the the busiest and most successful period. We played, I think we played. Leeds United in the qualifiers for the Champions League, we beat them. In the midweek, we played... No, sorry, on the Saturday or the Sunday, we played... I was on the Wednesday. On the Sunday, we played in the League Cup final against Aberdeen. We won that. We then played Leeds United in the second leg. We won that. Um, obviously, we had a night out. Two days later, we're playing against Celtic at, at Celtic Park. And, you know, I think a lot of us had a few had a hangover and we, we beat Celtic on the Saturday. So it was just a case of, you know... No one thought anything, um, but I do think, I think in today's game, players will, you know, the, the sports science and whatever, players play a little bit longer. You know, unfortunately, my career came to an end when I was about 30, um, with a lot, probably from the age of 28 onwards, my, um, you know, injuries and knees, because there wasn't the recovery and there wasn't the, as you say, the sports science and, you know, cool downs and yoga. There was none of that in my day, so... Um, and, and the amount of times as a player, um, I would play maybe with some pain-killing injections to play. I'd play with injuries. Um, I have a fitness test. My knee was all swollen up, but I'd still play. Um, and maybe that's why my career finished a little bit earlier. But I certainly wouldn't, you know, change anything that's that's been you know, part of my career. I certainly wouldn't change anything. So uh, now I'm just going to give you a few names that you played with. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Let's start with uh, not someone who played it. Start with Alex Ferguson. Share the story about him. What was he like a man? As I'm at Alex Ferguson, no, he was, <clears throat> um, I was, the, the one thing I remember about him was, he, like I said to you, he knows everything. He knows absolutely everything. And um, I was 13 years old. And on a Monday night, we had to train, you know, when you'd finished, um, primary school you go to high school and all the players that played in the primary school select on a Monday night train at Petodri at the stadium and Alec Ferguson would always watch it um, and I'd never met the man before but I remember he came I was I had to take two buses to get home so I was at the bus stop beside the stadium to go home and Alec Ferguson drove past in his Mercedes and David get in the car I was even surprised that he knew my name um, and he didn't even ask where I lived he took me straight to my house that's just the, the detail that the man's got. Um, and then there was one time when, um, <clears throat> this is actually quite a, a funny story. So every Friday, Archie Knox was Alec Ferguson's assistant. So they'd play this game in the the gym. It's like a tiny little gym in um, at Petodri in the stadium. 
It was under the family stand. Um, and it had, like, painted goals on the wall. So there's two or three of them. And in the game is you've got one touch. So what he would do, he'd take all the apprentices, all the young players, um, to watch them play. But the problem was he would pick two or three of you to be the referee. So you can imagine if Alec Ferguson wins, Archie's going to give you a punishment. If Archie wins, Alec Ferguson's going to give you a punishment. So this particular day, um, there was me and two others that were um, refereeing the game. So Archie won. So Alec Ferguson says, right, that's it. And it was coming winter time, so around about four or five o'clock, it gets dark. Um, and it's cold, winter time. So he says, right, you you three, you go wash my car. Now, Fergie's car, because he drove so much, there was flies and it was always so dirty. And because it was getting dark and we wanted to get home, we walked and we got the buckets and the sponges and, and what have you. And we walk out the, the front door and we're thinking, this is going to take forever to, to clean this car. So what we decided to do was, right, what we'll do is we'll just throw the, the bucket over, the water over, just to make sure it's wet. And it's getting dark. He's not going to notice it till the morning. And like I said to you, his attention to detail is incredible. So there's two doors. So we, we put the buckets back. There's two doors. We walk towards the first door. We get through that door. And we're going to the next one that gets you outside. And then all you hear is Fergie shouting, Oh, you, where are you going? Where, where the fuck are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And then we stood, three of us stood for a minute. And we're going, like, what do we do? What do we do? So we decided to run. So we ran out. And it was quite funny because we ran out. And Robert, one of the, the other guys, he had his dad's car. So we piled into his car. And there's, if this is a window, we're all sat underneath the window looking out. And Fergie's out there running to the bus stop, running everywhere in a panic that we weren't there. Um, so in those days, there was no mobile phones. So the first person, Robert, he was home first because his dad's got his dad's car. I had two buses to take. Scott was, you know, a bit further away. He actually got called at night to go back down in the dark and clean his car. So, um, he's as he's a hard taskmaster, but you know, I think it. Everybody that was part of any part of Alec Ferguson's career, I think you become a a hungrier person. Ali McCoy, for me, he's the voice in football. He used to commentate, and then he was there on FIFA in the early 2000s. Yeah. That was him. So that's how I know Ali McCoy. And other than some highlights here and there. Yeah, Ali McCoy is. Um, you know, obviously as a player, he's the all-time Rangers goal scorer, fantastic person. But what a personality is he's 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 incredible. Um, my first recollection of Ali McCoy was when I was in um, I was playing for Aberdeen, and the Rangers won the league title at Aberdeen Stadium, and I was only 17 at the time. And that game, I actually woke up in a hospital at night. I can't even remember anything. And Ali McCoy gave me a forearm smash off the ball, knocked me out. Um, and, you know, it, it's quite funny because um, I, I've, I'm doing an, autobi an autobiography that we're, I'm doing um, with Alistair Aird. Um, it's coming out in the end of March. Um, there's a lot of former players have asked, um, you know, were asked to do say a few words about me. And it was quite funny, his part, because he, he says, you know, I know that David was a real tough character and, um, you know, like, I didn't take any prisoners, you know, but if, if, I, if I was playing against somebody, even in training, I wouldn't think twice of taking somebody out. Um, and, you know, he said to me, he says, well, he said in the, in the little bit he said was that, you know, he remembers when he knocked me out and ended up in hospital. 
He says, um, I was always waiting for David to take me out in training. And in the six years, I never did it. Um, so I probably still owe him one. But no, he's, he's a fantastic, he's, he's a jokes, joke a minute. You know, he's just lively. You know, there was him, Ian Durant, Ali McCoist, Mark Hately in that corner where every day at Ibrox training, it was just so funny. They were just just the funniest people alive. And, and you wouldn't think they're these high-profile superstars, um, just great people. The next one is Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, Paul Gascoigne's obviously a genius on the field. Um, you know, it's it's sad in the way how he is. Um, you know, he's got some, you know, issues, you know, personal issues that... You know, unfortunately, they're always public um, because of his, you know, obviously the fame that he's had and the career he's had. So, you know, it, it's sad when you see it. Um, I remember when we'd play games, away games, he'd sit next to me and he'd ask me, you know, he'd pour his heart out to me. It was a little bit of an agony ant for him at times. Um, he would tell me all these issues. And, and it's so sad because, you know, he's a, an, an incredible player um, that I think during his career, there's a lot of people that, have taken advantage of him because of his fame and um you know and he'd maybe trusted the wrong people but a fantastic guy and, and another one he's a you know we, we at rangers we had to come in with a collar and tie every day at training and he loved to go fishing so he came in one day with a collar and tie and a pair of waders on you know the rubber waders all the way up here he'd been fishing he came in with two fish and um he planted it in um one of the players cars and put a fish in the car put it under where the wheel is, but he then put one in another part. So Gordon Jury was the player. And what he did was um, he found the first fish and he says, oh, my car still stinks. And weeks later, he didn't realise there was two fish in it. Um, just to, just It was joke, as I say, it was just joke a minute. You know, every time you came into Ibrox in the morning, you had to make sure that, you know, by the time you left, somebody hadn't, you know, taken your trousers, your, your shirt, your tie. Um, because often than not, you know, some of the players would actually you know, decide to wear your clothes home and you wouldn't have clothes to wear home. Um, they're just, um, as I say, I think that just made the whole dressing. But Gaza, you know, you know, from the time I knew him there, fantastic player, you know, great fun. Um, but it's just really sad to see how he is now. So this is something that I just thought the other day that I was watching uh, uh, Maradona documentary and same with uh, Gosman also. I think if they had played at this generation, they would have been completely... Whatever happened afterwards would not have happened to them. They would have been much better taken care of. Yeah, I think so, for sure. You know, Diego Maradona, is he's my all-time favourite player. Um, I loved him. But I think on the field as well, when you look at Maradona, the abuse that he took and the tackles he took, um, I mean, my day was quite rough, but it was even worse in those days. Um, you know, I mean, people, some of the tackles that Maradona had, they should have been put to jail, let alone just yellow cards. Um, but no, you're right. I think I think now nowadays clubs you know that there's a lot more help with mental illness um you know and and you're you're maybe prepared a little bit more for what's life like outside football dealing with media and um, because i know a lot of people fight i i've never been you know when i stopped playing it okay it's sad um but i was lucky i went into coaching and, and you still got that little bit but you get some people that have had the fame and adulation that you know suddenly one day it just stops um and they can't cope and you know, the financial part of it as well, that, you know, as a football player, you're well looked after, but, you know, the money, you know, I'm not saying it runs out, but <clears throat> there's only a, a certain span that you can earn good money before you you become a normal person, really. Um, 
and you know, for me, I've been fortunate that my wife's um, always looked after money, so there's no issues there. And you know, but I just look at some of the real superstars, your Maradonas, Paul Gascoigne's, that you know, it's you know, maybe they were badly advised or taken advantage of. Um, and as I say, I think you know, there's all these players' unions now that help you know players if they're in difficulties or. You know, even to give them advice and um, some counselling as well, which I think is important. The, the, the last part is just quick fire question that I'm going to ask you. Okay. Uh, who was the best player you played with? Brian Loudrup. Brian Loudrup, he was at AC Milan. He, he won the European Championships with Denmark. Um, just a fantastic talent. I linked up well with him. He was on the same side. I was left back. He played in front of me and... I would give him the ball and just run, and he would give me the ball back. Just a, an amazing play. He could win a game on his own. Incredible player. Who was the best you played against? The best I played against, I was fortunate enough to play against David Beckham, um, Ryan Giggs, um, Mark Overmars. Um, but I think um, Beckham, um, I think just based on the fact that um, you know he wasn't going to beat you for pace, but somehow, no matter how where you positioned your body, he'd, he'd managed to get a cross in. Um, so, and then you've seen, I think as well, you know, not only that, when, you know, you see him, the dedication he's got, you know, even, I think he was, you know, in his late thirties and he's still playing at the top level because he looked after himself and because he's got the hunger, you know, he's, he's obviously got all the, the money in the world he needs, but he just wanted to keep playing and keep improving. Just a, an incredible player. So coming to India, who's the best player that you've seen in football? An Indian and a foreigner? Um, foreigner. Um, I think, I think in the ISL, I, I don't even know his name. The guy that scores all the goals. I think he was at Mumbai before. Um, I think he's. Um, uh, I think he's at Blasters. He's at Blasters now, is he? Um, not hundred percent sure. Um, he was one of the foreign players. I know we played against him when we played in Mumbai City a few times, and I think he's still playing now. Um, you know, goal scorer. He's obviously one of the top goal scorers. I think he's been the best one. Um, I think in the in the I League. Um, pardon? Is it Ogbeti? That's him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think he's probably the best one. Um, you know, and obviously there's do you know, talks about Chetri and, and and what have you. But there's a number of you know good players. I mean, I think you know there's one player that we had at um, Real Kashmir, Vic, Vic Das. Um, I think when he gets his chance, he could be one of the top players in, in India. You know, we had him for two years. I got him from a, a trial in Kolkata where, you know, Kolkata is a hotbed of Indian football and no one knew about him. Um, and he's just a, he's a sensation, um, the kids. So I think, you know, if he gets the opportunities and injuries are OK, I think he could end up being, you know, a superstar. You know, but I think it's it's very difficult when you, it's his first season at Kerala Blasters. Um, it's very difficult to to break on the scene. You know the league's so tight and coaches can't really take chances. So it's it's difficult that way. Um, but you know I think the I League itself, there's been some you know good players um, over the years. Um, I liked um, you know Pedro Man Pedro Manzi that played for Chennai City. Um, I think he was a you know fantastic goal scorer. I think it was just something that he was just something different. Um, you know not many teams of those type of players that can just you know a goal scorer but also you know, an experienced player that knows how to use his body. Um, but no, I, I think we've been very, very fortunate. Um, you know, I know a number of players um, in the league and I think it's good now that, you know, my knowledge is, is, is quite vast with Indian football. So when it comes to the end of the season to, to look for players, I already know the, 
the players that I would like, um, particularly the, the players from India. So, but the the level's getting stronger, stronger all the time, and um, you know I think it, whether or not it's a, it's a good idea that they've reduced the foreign players for the I League um, remains to be seen. Um, you know I think one of the the issues that they were talking about was that um, you know when you ask if there's any Indian strikers for the I League and, and there's virtually none because that's where all the foreign you know, players go up front. And I think if you reduce the the foreigners in time, hopefully that'll give them more opportunities. So this is the last question. It's a two parter. Okay. So I want to so I want to know it's the funniest moment that you had on the field as a player and in your time in the football. Um I think I tell you think. Um no we've I mean I, I know with El Kashmir we've had some incredible you know, funny things that have come in, and um, we try and make everything light-hearted. Um, but I think, you know, well, one of the the funniest things was um, I was actually staying in in a house in in Kashmir, uh, Shamim's house, and um, I was. I mean, it's not related to football, but it's part of the the journey. Um, and my wife likes a, a hot what a hot bed, electric blanket. So. Um, Obviously, in, in the UK, there's sort of standards that it can only go to a certain heat. So in Kashmir, there's, you know, power cuts go out. So what they do is the electric blankets, um, they're on your bed. So when the power goes out, you get cold. But when the power goes back on, there's a surge and it heats your bed up again. So, you know, even if you're sleeping, it's OK. So I, I this particular electric blanket, I thought to Kim, I says, oh, my God, this is really hot. Um, and I thought, I might take some home because they're hotter than what they are in the UK. And um, so she's, oh, okay, okay. Two nights later, um, my bed went on fire. Um, <laughs> so I was calling at two in the morning saying, my bed's on fire, what do I do, what do I do? So I'm pouring water on it, switching electric off, threw it out the window, and it just, boom. Um, so obviously I didn't take any electric blankets back. Um, but there was just, you know, I, I think <clears throat> in India, um, you know, I think coming from where I come from and the hurdles and everything that happens, it's it's just been a total adventure. And and I, and I could go on for hours and hours of you know stories that have happened. Um, you know, I think playing wise, um, probably the it's maybe funny when you think back, but it, it, it's a it's sort of Alec Ferguson kind of story. I played my first game for Aberdeen. It was a friendly game. We played against Dunfermline, and it was an away game, and. I was only, I think it was 16 or 17 at the time, and there was a player, John Watson, this big, massive guy, six foot six, red hair, typical Scotsman, butchers anything. And um, I go for a header, maybe 10 minutes before half time, and he just goes, bang, knocks my two front teeth out, and there's blood everywhere. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I'm thinking, oh, it's only 10 minutes to half time, or oh, he'll take me off. So he came in at half time and basically had a go at me to be a man, man up, man up. So I go out and play the second half. And then when I go home, when I go back, because um, we didn't get back till maybe one o'clock in the morning, I used to share a car with my sister, my mother's car. And I, and, and again, in those days, there was no mobile phones. So I didn't know, she had the car, but she left it somewhere. So I had to go and find it. I couldn't find it. So I went back into the stadium and I had to use a payphone. But as I'm using the payphone, the doors are getting locked. So... Um, I ended up having to, you know, make alert to the the physio was a guy who was closing the gates up. Um, I basically had to smash, bang the window and eventually smash the window, cut my hand. 
and um, just to get myself Hello? home. Yeah. Hello? Still there? Yeah. And um, so obviously um, you can imagine the stick the next day I got when um, Alec Ferguson sort of pulled me in that I'd smashed a window. I got locked inside Pataudry. So it was an eventful uh, first debut game for Aberdeen. Thank you so much for your time. It was actually very enlightening. Chat. A lot of the things that you said, I would have never uh, yeah. heard or thought of. So yeah, it was great. It's, it's um, as I say, it's been an advent- my, my whole career has been an adventure, and you know more so in India. And you know, it's you know, it's as long as it lasts, it's 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 fantastic. Okay, I think I have some problem with connectivity. I can't hear you clearly. Okay, Can no, you- I ju- yeah, no, I, I just think um, my whole career has been a bit of an adventure um, throughout. The, uh, my career, you know, and more so in India. And I just feel that, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every minute of my time in India and, you know, hopefully it continues for a bit longer. Absolutely. We hope, I hope uh, you get uh, Kashmir, real Kashmir into the eye, sir. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the long term goal is for the club to do that. That would be nice to see. Whether I'm here or not, it would be nice to see. No, I want you guys to be there and you to take them there so that we, yeah, I want that to see how. Nice. They deal with uh, your football. Yeah, so I think it's going great. to be very difficult. Exactly. When they yeah. all, it's going to be very, very good fun. So exactly. for that, I think you have to stick around for at least uh, three more years. Okay, well, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice to do that, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So hopefully I'll get to see you in person soon. Yeah, no problem. Once, once all this COVID's finished, I'm sure we can get together. Yeah, absolutely. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye.